Hi everyone, it's Josie. If you're enjoying what we do here on Potheads Who Read, please take a moment and subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite place to listen to our podcast. Five stars will go a long way. Thank you. Hey Josie, have you ever heard of Harry Potter? Obviously. We clearly both love Harry Potter. Let me finish. I wasn't done. Oh. Harry Potter under Stein der Weissen? No. But why does it sound like you're looking up stuff in German? Well, the book we just read just really made me really interested in German and Germany. I totally see that. Claudia Poser writes beautifully about Germany in her book, Dreaming in German. Yes, she does. And I'm sorry if I totally just butchered that title in German because I do not speak German and I don't dream in German either. Um, <laughs> I don't speak or dream in German either. I I know a little bit, but not a lot. And that's mostly my last name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we definitely were practicing that a couple times. Mm-hmm. And you decided to tough it out and be like, I'll say it. And so we did. Harry, oh, my God. Harry Potter under, sorry, Harry Potter under Stein Bison. Oh, so I said die. Ooh, it's der. Harry Potter, blah, blah. Harry uh, Potter, Harry Potter under Stein der Bison. Harry Potter under Stein der Bison. Under Stein der Bison? Under Stein der Bison. I feel like ooh. I need to do that. Ooh, 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 ooh. You know, I don't know. Like, you know how sometimes they have that, like, I don't know. It's kind of like a melodic, like. Oh, like the ton, like that, not the ton, the timber of like languages or whatever. Yeah. I don't yeah. have it. I do not have it. So if you know German and if you are German, I'm sorry. I butchered it. Tell her how bad she butchered it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you okay, can I can email us at potheadsweed at gmail.com. Send us, send us a sound file with how to say it in German. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm honestly surprised when you found that they didn't have a sound file with it because there's so many websites that do that. Um, I probably could have found one, but I just typed in like mm-hmm. Harry Potter Sorcerer's Stone in German and I just got the titles nothing was giving me how to like like to play it mm. which is fine it's That's not a big fine deal. we tried hopefully mm. we didn't butcher it too bad happy uh, new year everyone right happy We're new year 2020 Whew. we made it year. we made it through a busy ass fall we have Hey Josie. And beginning of winter. It's been 20 years since we met. Oh my gosh. And we just met in college a few years ago, but somehow it's 20 years. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> technically we would have, our our 20 year anniversary would have been this last fall, like September, because we would have graduated last spring yep. and then started college in the fall. Yep. 
So I know. And I actually went back to college to our college this yeah, last fall. You did. Which I've talked I've talked about in past we episodes. Talked about it. I won't it bore was- you guys. We're just full of reunions this summer and this fall. But our- you get old you get old and you start remembering <laughs> and reminiscing about stuff. Yeah, and then I just kind of remember there's some people that I'd never want to talk to again, so I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are, everybody has re- those people. Everybody has those people. There's it's okay. There's a reason certain people aren't in our lives, and that's absolutely. okay. That's okay. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, but I feel like both of us had a really crazy holiday. I yeah. feel like from November to last weekend has been nuts for me yeah I shouldn't even say November I should just say Thanksgiving my sisters came in they left I was by myself for one day and then my parents came into town and then they left and then like the holidays just were nuts work was nuts and then Christmas came and then New Year's came, and then I had a going away party all last weekend. Like, it was just yeah. crazy. Like, every day was just, like, packed with something. There was a lot of stuff, and then you also had some kind of emotional things, you know? Like yeah. Friends leaving work, friends moving. I mean, friends that were not, not co-workers. They had been co-workers at one point, but yeah. they moved, and it was a good friend. And I mean, yeah. I mean, that's other- that's hard. We've known each other for, I think, 13 years, living in the same city, and they moved. I'm really sad. Yeah. Super big tears. I mean, it was, like, really sweet, and it was just, like, really sad. And, I mean, the bottom line is, is, like, all the changes that have been really big have been very positive for my friends. Right. So I'm so happy for them. And... I'm actually really excited to see what comes for them in the next Uh year and in the next couple years. And I think it'll just be really exciting. It's just been very exhausting because it's been a lot of go, 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 go. I believe it. I believe it. While our Christmas was pretty low key, it was um, it was much needed after my intense, crazy fall. And Mm -hmm. I made some decisions like. I'm not staying at the school past noon unless I absolutely have to because I feel like we finally are at a point with our PTA that we figured out what the heck we're doing. Like, good. Well, I think like there were just some unfortunate kind of events that went in that happened in the fall. Like we didn't, we weren't able to have a turnover for whatever reason. And so that didn't help. And and then we had some, uh, you know, changeover in, in leadership and, and that <laughs> when it wasn't, when things weren't like clearly set up to begin with and then trying to get everything kind of figured out, I think that didn't make it like an easy <laughs> transition. So, yeah, and it wasn't horrible. It just was um, more work than was expected I think is a good way to say it and and then I was taking two college classes which I'm only taking one <laughs> this quarter I know which trimester us, when you told us your schedule I was like oh she dropped down a class yeah well, it was funny because like I have a the school I go to it's called Foundry College and they instead of like you know like in real college like you have like your teacher counselor or whatever where like 
it's one of your teachers who like sits down with you and it's like, well, how's classes going? All right, you need to take these classes to graduate. Well, he's doing that, but he's actually like a certified life coach. Mm. And like he knows how to like help guide people in the right way to like help them achieve like their their, their best selves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so <laughs> Nick and I were talking this was in December and he was like, so what are you thinking about doing for taking classes? I go, well, after looking at my fall and being PTA president and doing my podcast and doing all the other things that like I'm supposed to do and being mom and extracurricular things for my child, um, I decided to take only one class because <laughs> I just was feeling like I didn't have time to do everything I needed to do. I wasn't sure how he was going to take it because I wasn't sure if he wanted to be me to be like, you need to take two or three classes a trimester to graduate on time or, you know, in like the, the allotted amount of time that, you know, like they want you to graduate. And mm-hmm. he was like, no, I think that's really great that you're looking at like what's best for you and for your family and what's going to make you a better student. And so like, that was like refreshing because you don't always I feel like sometimes we don't always hear that from from people. Sometimes it's like, well, you need to do all this hard stuff to get to that place at the right. very end. It's going to be worth yeah. it in the end. You do all this hard stuff. It's going to be worth it at the end. And yes, we should make sacrifices sometimes. But I was just feeling like I'm like, I can't do two. Don't spend time with your seven-year-old right now because when he's like nine and you are doing whatever and you have all this time, it'll be worth it. But you can miss like seven and eight. Yeah. So I just decided, I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Like, if this takes me like two extra trimesters of classes or three extra trimesters of classes, okay, fine. It's not a big deal. I'll do it. Yeah. I'm going to do what I'm going to do this my way. It's my time. It's my life. So I'm going to do it my way. I feel like part of the reason you and I are so close and such great, <laughs> great friends and part of why it makes it so easy for us to collaborate, because this is not our first project we've ever collaborated no. on together, um, which we've talked about at length in several, in several episodes. But we also are like... We have a tendency to be like the yes people. Yeah. Because we know too much. Because we know we can actually do it and we know that we'll like do it well. So we want to do it well for everybody, but then it's like we look at our schedules and you're like, Oh, I have eight extra things happening this week that I don't normally have. Yeah. Okay, how am I gonna do this? Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah, so so we're just doing one this year or this this trimester. trimester. It'll probably be just one this summer too. Um just because I don't know what, what we're doing vacation wise and Yeah. Whatnot. Like I said, I honestly am not like stressed about how fast I do my classes because this is my life. Right. And, I have, and and this is the other thing. This is our lives. And even if you are taking classes to better yourself, to get your degree, to to become something, I think if it's putting too much undue stress on your family and on you personally, where you're missing stuff 
and it's not that I was missing stuff, but there were times where my child was like, Mom, do you have class tonight? Yeah. He, he was definitely missing my evenings that I ha- I used to have with him. Yeah. And I realized, you know what, this this is important to him. And it was important to me. I was totally missing mm-hmm. them too. And it was really important. So I'm like, you know what, I have I have to do what's right for us. Not like, yes, I'm gonna push through on this, but if I need to take it down a notch, it's Yeah. It's okay. And that's hard because I remember, you know, like remember our like it must I think it was our sophomore year of college. We did oh it was gosh. the year we did Children of Eden. Mm. And I ended that trimester or that that semester. You probably had about the same number of hours, but I think I ended that that semester with 24 or 26 credit hours. Well, yeah, because we got hours for the show. We got what well, we for both nonsense and well, I got yeah two or three for nonsense and we got two or three for children. Because it depended on what you did. Yeah, I think. I was the same way because I think I was actually signed up for 21 credits. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then we took, most, like, most we colleges took, don't allow that. They cap, they give you a maximum like, and a minimum of most colleges now. And it's yeah. like you're like full time's considered depending 12. like some, some consider 12, some like smaller colleges or junior colleges will consider six full time. Cause I know this because one of the things I, I said yes to was helping create an alumni scholarship for our the junior college we both went to. Have you been um, working on that? Um, I've been consulting. I honestly, like one of our fellow classmen, she's been doing a lot of work on it. Yeah, um, that's good. And the other one has been doing a lot of work. Like the two other girls that I'm, I'm doing it with, they are both doing a lot. One, because they're actually in Casper. Right. And can actually meet with the board and, like, meet and do everything. It's easy for her to do that. And then the other one already has a lot of experience in it. Yeah. Like, with the setup of, like, fundraising and doing certain things. And so, like, right now I'm just kind of, like, helping consult and stuff like that. But it was something where I was just, like, okay, like, you just kind of have to think in a different way. But, yeah. um but yeah, so like 12 to 18 hours is full time and okay. we were easily taking 21 plus working on the weekends plus doing the shows and I I got full the full amount of credits for children and I was tech but what did I do no. for nonsense? I was children, tech. you were children you were dance. I know, but I was like I got full Oh, nonsense. Cuz I was oh, sorry. Nonsense. I was tech. You so, were um but stage I was, I manager was, or something. No, I was backstage. Stage. I did lights or sound. Oh, maybe it was. I don't remember. I was choreographer. Was so, I was up in the booth. I know that. <laughs> and so I got like two credits, I think, for that. So I think I ended at twenty six. I want to say I was 26. Like, I think I had 22. I think I start. I was 22 hours. And I think I got two for, I think we got two for children. I think we got two for nonsense. And so that put me at 26, if I remember I mean, correctly. 
that year was that's so insane. crazy. It's but insane. that semester was nuts. Twenty years ago, we thought we could do, we could do everything, and now here we right. are. For twenty years later, think, and we're like, oh, we can't do everything. I think the biggest thing in that though is that you were able to realize that you had to step back, and mm-hmm. that that's okay for you. And there's some people who probably have the same crazy schedule, and they don't want to push through, and that's yeah. totally okay because that's important for them. Yeah. And that's what makes it great that it can be so flexible because it's really your track of what you're doing and what is best for you. It it has nothing to do with, do you have to finish it faster or like compete with this other person for anything? It's really just like you, what benefits are you taking out of taking this class and getting this? Yep. You do you. That's what we have to do. Or a diploma or, like, whatever yeah. it is. Like, you yeah. just have to figure out what's the best for you. Exactly. That's so crazy. So, yeah. I'm did just, you have a good New Year's? I did. We went bowling. That's kind of our um, That's kind of our, our New Year's tradition is we, we go bowling on New Year's Eve with our son. And we went bowling, and then somebody invited us over to do, a like, a fire out at their house. And oh. we did that. And then we went home and... It was, <laughs> it was super exciting. <laughs> Yours is probably go, more exciting more than mine. Um, it was really good. I mean, our I don't know if I would have had more excitement or more fun than you. It was just very specific. So yeah. some people that I play beach volleyball with, I've known them the last three years. This last fall, they're the best couple. They got married this last fall, and they did a destination wedding. And they chose New Year's Eve to do a reception for all their friends in Chicago. And, like, anybody who could kind of travel into Chicago. But it was an 80s prom theme, complete complete in a gym. And it Um, was fun. I mean, these, like, this group of people, they're so fun. They're so nice. Not a lot of drama. Everybody's just so happy to see everybody. It was just like, I don't know. It was just a lot of fun. It was very chill. Just good people to be around. We weren't having to, like, go to a bar and fight to get a drink or be crowded and get pushed around a lot. That's nice. Um, And, I mean, they gave a great speech at the end, like, thanking everybody, because they were like, you know, we know you could just be anywhere for New Year's, and so they were really grateful that everybody came out and helped celebrate them, and... Sometimes um, it's better to, to celebrate that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, or s- celebrate that way than, like, at the bar, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean... Because you're with I, a bunch of people that you love, and that's I better. have some amazing, amazing... New Year's stories and memories of going to bars and getting a drink package and being out until 5 a.m. Sneaking sneaking beers down our pants because we couldn't drink them all at the bar. And so we were like, let's see if we can fit them in our pants and take them out. Not Josie. Um, I actually was not the one who did that. That was my roommate and uh, one or two other friends. But, um, I mean, we have some, like, really great, like, funny stories with that. Like, lots of, like, memories like that. But I was just kind of like, 
most of my friends were out of town. Yeah. One friend had some family stuff that was going on. And I was just kind of like, huh, I think I'm going to be at home by myself with my cat. And I'm okay with that. And then I got this invitation for this party. So I was like, okay, this will be fun too. But um, yeah, I just kind of have been like, that's why Roxy's know. mad at you. Probably because I've been you left out you crazy. left her for uh you you went to a a wedding reception <laughs> and, instead, instead of spending of, New Year's Eve with her. I know she knew she knew my original plans even though I hadn't told her. So I mean it was just one of those things. But I actually I mean I I was home by one because yeah. I worked the next day. So and. Being in a breakfast restaurant, you can only imagine how busy you are on New Year's Day. It's like it's like one of the busiest days in our entire year for every really? single location. Wow. Um, and so we like we all kind of had to just be like ready and be on our A game, and it was a very successful day for all of our locations and all of our markets and. I was really glad that I was home by three. I wasn't like hungover. I wasn't, I was tired, but I yeah. wasn't, and my hair was still crimped because I was like, I just got to get up. <laughs> I like ran my fingers through my hair and threw my hair up in a ponytail, and it was just this poofy, like crimped fur ball thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was really funny because even the manager that I went to work with that day. One, she was surprised. She she didn't know I was going to work with her. And so she got really excited. And then she was like, is your hair crimped? I was like, yes. I went to a party last night. And it was an 80s prom theme. And she was like, that's awesome. And she's is like, this your like, crimper from Children of Eden? No. Did that one have, die? I don't have that crimper anymore. I don't know what happened to it. Um, I think mine died. I either, I I either left it. it in Wyoming or it died and I got rid of it. But I actually did get a new one. That's funny. Yeah. That's real funny. Somebody was like, you can still buy crimpers. I was like, yes, you yeah. can. They have yeah. several They have several versions, different sizes, all sorts of stuff. Amazon. No. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, yeah. It was busy the next day, and then, like I said, I've just kind of been nonstop. Like, today I was looking at the date, and I was like, how is it already the 10th? Because oh. there's already projects that I have to start working on in the next couple of days for the next month. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, it's already the 10th. Yeah, we're um, – I start classes next week. We're already working on two – well, technically kind of three big things for February. They're not huge, huge, but they're bigger events, and so yeah. we're working. We were working on those this week, and so it was just kind of like a low-key week, but a busy week, too. So, like, we did a lot of planning, so we were hope we're hopefully ready for the future instead of being like, oh, shit, that's tomorrow. We've got to do that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. All right. Well, I am ready for 2012. I'm excited to see where this year goes. Um, or 2020. Well, I don't know why I said 2012. It's what, not 2012. I was going to say that. Really? Oh, my gosh. That, that's a really important year to me. Um, but that's hilarious. Josie thinks it's 2012. 
I also, before we started recording, instead of saying January, said July. She did say July. She's all over the place. So I don't know the month and I don't know the year. I am ready for 2020. Let's get it. You can edit that out. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. I think we're going to keep it. That's funny. Like, yeah. it was. I, I thought it was funny. Like, you finally caught yourself. I was like, Josie, it's not. I know. I think it is. I mean, Look, at least you didn't say, like, the year 2000 or something like that. In the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that on Conan? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, my gosh. I'm losing it. All right. Are you ready to hear a Harry Potter fact or I what? would love to hear a Harry Potter fact. So this one is a little bit different. I mean, this is a fact, but this was really me kind of like Googling something a little bit different. Uh-huh. Because we are doing dreaming in German, uh-huh. they talk about like being bilingual and translating and they, they ha- that discussion comes up a lot. And so I was just like, you know, me personally, I have a... It started in Egypt, when I went to Egypt, I had this thing where every country that I visit, I buy the next book in the Harry Potter series in that language, mm-hmm. Right. and I have three books so far in Arabic, uh, Italian, and Greek, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I wonder how many translations or, like, how many books have been translated into different languages? Or, not how many books. How many? (laughs) I do not know what's wrong with me, people. I was like, I wonder how many times Harry Potter specifically has been translated into different languages. Right. Did I tell you this number already, Sheila? I did, right? You told me. Because I was going to have you guess. I shouldn't have told you. Sorry. But I did did find out on NPR.org because I was looking at, um, well, there was that. And then also WizardingWorld.com because I I did look at the year that this came out because there was one that came out where it said that there was only 60 languages, Mm. which I thought was really low. Yeah. And I was like, well, what year was this article actually written in? And it was written in 2006. Mm. Um, Oh, yeah. So I actually looked a little bit more for some more recent articles, and I found one from NPR and then obviously WizardingWorld.com that I just mentioned that actually said that they have now been translated in 80 different languages. Wow. I just thought that was really interesting because that's a lot of different translations. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the picture? Um, it's like a meme. I don't know if I can find it. There's this meme. Well, not really a meme, but it's a picture of a Harry Potter review from from the year 2000 yes the quote yes the quote and it's basically this this person's like in in the year 2020 all these 30 something 30 somethings are gonna be making all these harry potter quotes and are gonna like connect with with each other because of this book and i'm like you're so true (laughs) 
Yeah. It, it, it's so spot on. Um, whoever said that, I'm going to have to find it. I, I may have saved it. I don't know. It keeps popping up in my Facebook feed. I'm going to talk about it, and it's going to be there it. after this. So, no, I've um, totally seen it a couple times. Um, here is something that I will quiz you on, Sheila, because I did not tell you this part. Do you okay. know what language the 80th translation was? I feel like I heard just recently about the newest language. Um, um, I don't know. What? Scots. Scottish. Scottish. The Scottish. That's right. That's right. I yeah. That now. So the article is actually really, the article from NPR is actually really fun. And it's like, oh, have you heard the big news? This is the, the next one. And it, they actually do an expert or excerpt from the books. And it's like, what's the language? Well, we'll see if you can guess. And then it goes into some of the dialogue. And it's like, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley, oh, number four, private loan. I'm not even going to try to do the accent. <laughs> we're proud to say they, that they were gay normal. Thank you very much. So it's like, it's like in that dialect. It's really fine. Right. I think that's amazing yeah there's dang. like one I don't know what they're saying but um they talk it's it's like they talk about a couple different things and yeah. there's like one thing where it's like bizomba that one I think would be a really neat one to get I don't know why but I'm kind of fascinated with the Scottish um, oh yeah like yeah. uh language it, it's kind of like to me it's kind of like um, Gaelic too I'm really fascinated like Scottish and Gaelic I'm really fascinated by their their words like they just have some very fascinating words to me so yeah so that's actually what they go into with this because they they talk about how J.K. Rowling wrote part of the book in Edinburgh uh-huh. and that Hagrid is one of the main characters that speaks a dialect right. of the Scots so they they talk about how oh. they the languages are close but they show some different ones so Dumbledore is Dumby Dykes Quidditch is Bismarck <laughs> You know who is Yi Ken Yi Kenwa? Mm. Um, the Sorting Hat is the Blithering Bonnet. Um, Diagon Alley is the Quin- the Squinny Gate. Mm. And the, that was just a couple of the ones that they had in here. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Interesting. Um, now I'm gonna. I just said that this. I told you guys that this was an older article. I found one of the newer ones at the very bottom of this article. It does say, um, "We should know Harry Potter and Mongolian comes out in two days." So I said the last one is Scots, uh, but actually there's been other ones. Mongolian. That have come so Mongolian. Um, I I could probably do an even more recent sh- recent search for that, but. There's probably something. Hey, I have a question. Did you get the um, Harry Potter advent calendar this year? Or last year for Christmas? I bought it and posted it. I'm just checking. Tell us about it. People may not follow. follow. Have you not been listening to our... I'm playing stupid. I'm playing stupid. All right. Josie did not get my... Stupid, all right. I did not get the sarcasm or the stupid in that because I was like, Sheila, you know, I talked to you about it and I literally posted on Instagram. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, I did get the advent calendar last year. That's like two minutes too late. Um, (laughs) I did post all of the little discoveries that we got through the advent calendar on our Instagram page, which was a lot of fun. All right, so let's discuss what we came here to discuss. A book? A book. Okay, so I suggested this book. Yep. Um, and just as a quick reminder for what book this was, the <laughs> book is called <laughs> um, The Book is called Dreaming in German by Claudia Poser. Yep. I hope I'm I'm saying her name like kind of phonetically how it reads. I don't know right. if it's pronounced differently, but Claudia Poser, Dreaming in German. Sheila, do you want to do the synopsis really quickly? And then I'll say why I suggested this. Sure, I can do that. This memoir turns on the author's immigration to South Carolina at age 13. Her childhood spent shuttling back and forth between East and West Germany and her struggle with the meaning of home as Germany transformed from two states to one. Dreaming in German combines an immigrant memoir from a child of the global professional class with an inside look at the effects of German division on family relationships as seen from the western side of the wall and that came from the Amazon website and we this is a Kindle unlimited book for Mm -hmm. people that have Kindle unlimited so if you have that service it's included in your your thing that you you pay for Kindle Unlimited. Yes. Um, or you can purchase it for two ninety nine <laughs> as a Kindle. Kindle yeah. Price, so. Um. Yeah. Learning that it was Kindle Unlimited was a nice little surprise. It was a nice part, I, for sure. When I picked this book, I did not pick it because of that. Um, which in the past I have picked books just because they're Kindle Unlimited because Sheila and I have been like doing a lot of crazy stuff or whatever. That was just kind of a nice perk for this. This actually came to me as a suggestion. Um, my sister, my sister, April, who is, um, an MVL, most valuable listener for us. (laughs) She actually suggested this to me. And I immediately wanted to read it for a few reasons. One, Mm -hmm. because my sister suggested it. My sister reads, like, every night before she goes to bed. But she is not, like, she would never consider herself, like, an avid reader. Okay. She would never, like, she reads all the time, but she's not, like, burning through books. Right. And she doesn't always suggest to me a lot of the books that she reads. So when she suggested this, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to check this out. And I felt like this was a really good opportunity once I figured out what it was actually about. Um, The other reason why I suggested this is because I have always loved studying World War II. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot about it. And I own a lot of books about it. Part of the reason why I own a lot of books about it is because 
I sort of inherited, I say sort of, because I just kind of was like, I want these. And my family was like, take them. Um, <laughs> my, when my grandfather passed away, he has, um, he has like two or three different um, volumes of different books about World War II. Right. That I inherited from him that are very old. Yeah. Um, but it was probably only in the last three or four years that I really started thinking about after World War II. Right. And the effect of it. And right. what really got me intrigued by that is uh, it was a random series I saw on the History Channel. And it was like post-World War II, like what mm-hmm. happened. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting because it was like the four allies kind of basically came together and broke Germany and like specifically Berlin up into like four quadrants. And then they were like, okay, you take this quadrant, we'll take these quadrants and we'll just they were kind of trying to like rebuild like Germany and and everything like off of these quadrants and it was just like what's going on and then like ultimately it just kind of like ended up bleeding into ultimately like the split of Germany like east and west Germany and going into like the cold war and stuff like that and so it's it's always intrigued me because I never like Sheila and I were talking about this earlier before we started recording we were talking about like big news events that happened what that we really remember, like as kids, like, yeah, as kids, like when you first started paying attention to the news, like what was it that you remember? And I remember watching the Berlin Wall coming down. Yeah, it was a big and deal for us. It was one of those things where, I guess, naive American, like I really only thought it was in Berlin because it was only discussed in Berlin, right. And it was always, like, the wall was up. My family was on one side of the city. I was on the other side of the city. And in my head, I knew it couldn't be just that because that didn't make sense. Like, how could it only be one city? Because, like, whatever. But it was always just referred to as the Berlin Wall, the Berlin da-da-da, like, whatever. So I, I, like, kind of just jumped at the chance of, like, getting really a firsthand account of of like what it was to go into that. Right. And having it be a memoir, so there's like it's just this person's truth. Yeah. I thought would make it even more intriguing. So that's that's actually why I picked this this book. Um I feel like it's always good to learn about what other people are going through, whether you believe it or not, or think it's right or not, because it allows you to open yourself up to somebody else's situations to hopefully not be like quite as ignorant about what's happening in somebody else's life or what has happened in the past, the past or what's happened in situation, part of the world, another part of the world where it's really, and she even, she yeah. even touches on it within the book, like not just with people that she comes across, but people that are like that have become family, like how yeah. kind of ignorant they were about on both sides that, too. Yeah. Like yeah, East, for sure. The 
that her East German family, her West German family, like that, and then even people that she her American family, yeah. yeah. So, um, so before we really delve into this, let's, I'm going to, I'm yeah, going to do the, I'm going to attempt plot line. the 30 second plot line, 30 second ish plot line. So to kind of just go off of Sheila's synopsis. So you, you actually meet Claudia and she talks about her experience as a young girl in West Germany, going over to East Germany to see family and the effect that that had on her. And then you uh, get to explore with her and her family how what it was like for her to move to America um, at the age of 13. She deals with a lot of anger with that. She deals with a lot of stuff with her family that actually ultimately ends up bringing her really close to her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see her explore what it is to be American and what it is to be German on both sides of, of the Atlantic And you see her struggle with the question of what home is and what she thinks her home is. You also get to explore her life through a couple different relationships that she has. Um, Ultimately ending up finding her husband that she has a daughter with, that she settles down with. And the big question, does she really figure out where her home is? And does she make peace with Germany and or America? Dun, dun, dun. That really didn't tell you anything. No, <laughs> so okay, let's talk though. about it. Let's talk about it. So Sheila, what were your first impressions? Uh, I fell asleep a lot when I was reading at the very beginning. <laughs> I don't. I it wasn't her. It wasn't her writing. It was. It me. wasn't her writing. It wasn't the content. But I was the exact. <laughs> I was just so tired that. Like we've, I had, just, we've had a really busy couple of months. I was like, yeah. oh, I could sit down and read. And so then I'd fall asleep, apparently, because I could sit down or lay down. Uh, I really did enjoy it. It was really neat to see how she saw Germany and, you know, like West Germany, because that's where she grew up. She grew up in West Germany, how she grew up and how she saw it. And then... And then hearing her stories about going and visiting the family and what they had to do to go see family in East Germany and how terrifying it was. Mm. And there's definitely, like, the fear that was put into these people, like, when they would cross the border was just, sometimes I was just like, damn, like, what's wrong with people? (laughs) And then... She moves to America, and, like, for the for a while, she's fine, but then she gets really, like, kind of insolent, and I'm like, oh, now you're just being a teenager. Mm-hmm. But I kind of understood what... Not understood. I kind of got some of her feelings, because I think had her father not... Like, had they moved to America, but not moved to Clemson, South Carolina... Mm-hmm had they moved to a city, a big city in America, she probably would have, her and her mother probably would have had less cultural shock issues. Mm-hmm. Because Clemson is a very small town, or especially back then, it was much smaller than it is now, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Because we're also, we're also talking like, Sorry to interject really yeah, quickly. No, no, you're I mean, fine. They move. 
I mean, it's like the late 60s. And they moved from like cosmopolitan, big city, Germany. It's ahead of its game. Fashion, everything. And then they move. She's going back in time to South Carolina in a way. They're not as forward thinking. And like she even talked about it at one point because it's something that they still do in the South. But she talked about how Southerners, they're being mean to you, but they're being very nice about it. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically when someone's like, bless your heart, it's not a... Yeah. It's not necessarily a nice thing. Right, right. Um, so there's things like that. But it was so funny. So I have a friend, when I moved to 29 Palms, she... And her husband had attended Clemson. And she's like, we're going to get up and watch the Clemson game in the morning. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, Clemson. And I'm like, what's that? She's like, <laughs> Clemson football? I'm like, what's Clemson? And she's like, Clemson <laughs> University? Don't you know Clemson University in South Carolina? And I'm like, no. And apparently... I'm supposed to because it's one of, like, the better football. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of a big deal. (laughs) I I mean, here's the thing. Like, I like football. I enjoy football. College football, I don't get that into. Like, I know University of Wyoming. I know some bigger universities. Mm -hmm. And then I know, like, Mountain West Conference. And that's all I know. Thing is, is, like, I don't follow college football. It's not, like. Like, so, like, she's saying those to me. I'm like, go Denver Broncos. <laughs> go, go, go Pokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it was just kind of funny that, like, kind of, like, laughing about stuff because I ha- I remembered this moment with my friend Nicole about how she's, like, Clemson. And I'm like, meh. <laughs> meh. I don't know nothing to me it means nothing to me but it meant a lot to them and I'm like sorry and she even got me a shirt because she's like I had to get you a Clemson shirt because (laughs) it's a big deal I'm like okay and then I'd wear it people like you went to Clemson I'm like I know nothing about Clemson (laughs) but yeah so it's a small town and I do think like had they not moved to such a tiny town like even if they had moved to probably like um, Charleston. I think she, they mm-hmm. would have been better off there. Um, I, I do think had they definitely moved to a northern city, um, like a northern city like uh, the D.C. area or Boston, they definitely probably would have felt more at home. Yeah, maybe somewhere in like Connecticut or something. Yeah. She even says that when she goes on college tour. She was like, oh, New England? What? Yeah. yeah. What have I been missing? Um, yeah. Yeah. It just, I don't think it was the right fit for her. Um, but she, I mean, I, I did enjoy it. I, there are always, there were always things that were popping up where I was like, oh, that's so, so kind of deep, or I totally get it. Um, like one thing that popped out at me was, it's like the 60s and 70s, and people are talking about commies. And like Pete, like yes. Americans being commies, and she's like, you don't even know what a commie is, and you don't know the fear. Like she never said it to them, but 
she's she's thinking like you don't know the fear that we had you don't know how my family's living yeah well because that's actually a note that I wrote down was like the comedy comments from the other kids because they would just hear Germany in the news or like whatever in the news socialist commie like whatever yeah and so they would just look at her and be like you commie and she was like these kids literally have no idea what they're talking about if they did they would know I'm not a communist and they would know what like her family in East Germany and the other families the people are actually going through yeah Right. Well, and I felt like that spot really like resonated with me because I feel like a lot of people use that word today still mm. and they don't understand the meaning of what they're saying. And I was just like, they just like they need to read what it's like to be a commie because you you can't call this politician a commie because let me just tell you they're probably the farthest thing from a commie in America right but they're they're saying it because they don't they don't it's just something to say you know I think the thing that kind of hit me a lot with that is that when she started talking about stuff that was happening like this wasn't that long ago it wasn't. I mean, the Berlin Wall came down in 92, 93? No, 98, or 89. 89? Eight, 90. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was 89. thinking about, it was 89, or, oh, yeah, because, sorry, I was thinking about in 92 and 93 when they were going back and doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. It came down in 89. That's 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's not that long ago. Uh-uh. And you think about her growing up. Like, I feel like some people think of, like, communists or stuff like that. And they feel like it's, like, an old school thing. Like, it was, like, so long ago. And you're like, there's still communist countries North now Korea that are, and... like, in government. And it's like, these people are not communists. They don't. I mean, it, you're, yeah, you're right. Like, they throw around the, they throw around the words, they throw around the verbiage, and they don't really know what they're saying. Yeah. They just that hear it, they just hear it as something, mad. and they know that it's whatever, you know. Like, it's like, I, like, I think probably what I hear a lot is, like, that liberal commie, and I'm like, I don't, you're not, you're missing the point of what a mm-hmm. commie, you, you don't understand communism, because. And they are not liberal. <laughs> not liberal at all i'm like you're not you're missing what communism is you need to go back to um, yeah history 101 and i did feel like i'm like wow i wish i you know there's definitely people that could use to read this book yeah so. yeah definitely. yeah for me it resonated in a very different way than i kind of expected it to right um it also like, I don't know how to explain it because there were like, the, I think the thing that I loved the most about how she wrote this mm-hmm. is that even though it was about her trying to navigate the American lingo and the new American fads and like everything. So I agree with you that if they would have moved to a bigger city, they probably would have been better off. But one of the things that I love so much, especially in those like early kind of more formative years for her in America, is that the fact that she really only had her mother 
they created such a bond. Mm -hmm. And she even talks about it. She's like, other girls my age hated their moms. Hated their mom. And she's like, I could not imagine my life without my mother. She's like, we sit and we talk about everything. And they navigated so much stuff together. And it was like, we both shaved our legs at the same time for the first time. Because even though we knew hygienically, you're not supposed to do that. We were like, well, let's do this American fad together. And her mom was very specific. Like, she was an amazing seamstress. And she would make sure that she had, like, the newest fads. So, like, when bell bottoms were really big, she made sure that her daughter had bell bottoms. And part of me wonders if they would have been in a town bigger if that would have changed because she would have had girlfriends who could have actually helped her do it. So she wouldn't have had her mom to help her navigate that. And I think it also created – it. I think it was a double-edged sword. I think they, their love for Germany and their miss for Germany was like ended up being kind of a double-edged sword yes, for Claudia herself really because she really thought her and her mom were this united front of like we both want to go back to Germany. And she, there were several times, many years, where she did not understand why her mother gave in to her father, right. and then she was kind of like made aware of some of these conversations that her mother and her father had. And she was like, Oh, I didn't know that mm-hmm. to the point where by the end of the book, she has her father like take her on a tour because you find out pretty yeah. early on that her father was a prisoner of war. Yeah. But that's all they tell you is that he was a prisoner of war. And you don't you know kind of, where. Yeah, or you don't how know long, where. Really. You don't know what anything is. And then she confronts him about it and asks yeah. him about it, and it kind of changes her opinion of everything. But well, what she says, her, like it's it's funny. She what she says is she goes, "Show me where you used to pick the apples." Yeah, and which was in Virginia. He was a um they. They they sent him all the way over to Virginia, basically somewhere in the blue, somewhere in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It didn't tell you where. She just said you could see the Blue Mountains, and that's when he fell in love with America because the people were nice to him, even though he was like an evil German soldier. He was, you know, they they were nice. They treated him humane. They. They worked, and then they they were able to get some amenities or some nicer things for, yeah. like, their POW camp wasn't too bad. Now, it's not the type of camp that the Japanese uh, internment camp no, here no, no. in, like... And at, not, I'm sure every it, prisoner of war camp was not like this. This just happened to be his experience. He just yeah. had a really great experience. And well, because they were able to wanted. negotiate for, yeah. like, money because of stuff that they kind of overheard. So they were yeah. able to negotiate for money. So they had, like, ping pong tables. They had, like, a stereo. And they had, like, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. They were they were able to they – did, they couldn't pay them for the extra work that they did. But they were like, we'll set the money aside and give you a Sears, a Sears catalog, basically. Yeah. And then you for can when you're out not what you want. Yeah. So well, when they first said they 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 had the Sears catalog, I was like, would they do 
pick a house and build it. <laughs> like that's the first thing that thought like popped in my head. And then he's like ping pong table. I was like, oh, never mind. You're not building houses. <laughs> no. Um. But yeah. So it was like, it was really interesting because she only ever looked at it from her side. And I mean, honestly, that's just such a child thing to do. Yeah. I can think of several stories in my past where my parents were trying to do something special and I was just a bratty preteen or bratty teenager and then I go back and look at it and I was like wow I was a real asshole and because I just didn't know their side of it and so I like I felt like it was very relatable in that sense but also it's really funny for me because I've lived in Chicago for a very long time now Mm -hmm. and People are always like, well, how many years have you lived in Chicago? And I'm going into my 17th year in Chicago. Right. So weird. People are like, yeah, you can just say you're from Chicago. I'm like, yeah, I know. But it's like that search for home is so relatable. And I'm not, I didn't go across an ocean. Mm. I went from the Northwest to the Midwest Right. And when people are like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Wyoming. And they're like, right. oh, you live there? And I'm like, oh, no, I live in Chicago. Right. And then they'll be like, how long have you lived in Chicago? I'm like, oh, like 17 years. Right. And they're like, yeah, you can just say you're from Chicago. And I'm like, right. yeah, I know. But you know, but like, but it's, but it's like, it's a weird thing because it's like no. it's home, but it's not like home home. Right. I get and, it. And, like, then the other weird feeling for me is, like, I don't, and it's always so weird to say this because of how long I have been here, but I've never felt, like, I've never felt like Chicago is, like, my forever city. Right. And so, like, I feel like I'm still constantly searching for my home, even though I have my home. So, I, like, a thousand percent understood like when she yeah. and she, there's even a part, there's this part where she talks about where, where you have your home and yeah. she goes she's like I started thinking about it in like a couple different forms where she had home all caps which was Germany right. and then she had home which was like where mom she and dad cur- live yeah right. like her mom and dad is at and then she had like home where she like currently lives yeah. and I was like oh my gosh that's totally like that's totally where I'm at yeah no I have that um all the time like it's been kind of my life ever since I got married it's Mm -hmm. I guess like in the military community we we hear it more because like we don't really feel like we are from any of the places that we live and I'm like you I'm from Wyoming Home is Wyoming. When I talk about going home, I'm going to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. But we also have our home that we live in, where we are raising our family, where we are a family. And then eventually we are going to have like our final home when he retires. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. Like we're saying that is... Nevada <laughs> somewhere mm-hmm. but things could change but right. 
I totally get it. Like it's it's this constant thing. Like, <clears throat> like dash to him, home is where we live. He doesn't have a until we retire and we have like a resting place where we're not moving every two or three years. He's not gonna have a a home like. You yeah. and I did. Or even like Claudia did. Like Claudia had Germany, which was home. Because yeah. that's where she had that connection. I can tell you, which is really funny. Because people are like, oh, where are you guys from? And we're like, we're from Wyoming. And then Dash, he's like, I'm from North Carolina. <laughs> which he is not wrong because he was born here. But yeah. I'm like, but honey, you need to tell him how many other states you've lived in. Because this is your <laughs> second time in North Carolina. So it's not like we've been here for seven years. Because we have not been here seven years. Yeah. But he's he's really quick to tell you that he's he is from here. Maybe they'll say. And, and, and I think sometimes <laughs> that's where you're born is kind of like you, for some reason we, we build attachment on where yeah. we are born from. Even if we haven't been there a long time or we didn't live there long but sometimes people do say that I was born so I am from this place I don't remember it but I'm from North Carolina yeah so yeah I I would agree with that I just feel like this it has just so much that can resonate with a lot of people. And a, a lot of people. Yeah. I liked that I was able to connect with her on that. Yeah. And just kind of like have that. Yeah. Um, this book actually reminds me of two other books that I read that I've read in the past that have been like two of my favorite books so far. And I feel like I could probably add this one into it. Oh, yeah. But as far as like going from kind of a communist state of mind to kind of being able to go out. The only difference is, is that she was not in East Germany. So for her, it was oh. very weird. Um, but if you've ever read or if you guys desire, check out Mao's Last Dancer. Oh. Um, it's about a kid who was literally plucked out of a classroom in the hillsides of China. Right. And he was taken to Beijing and taught ballet. And he was like one of the top ballet performers for China um, under the rule of Mao. Um, and he ended up being able to be a guest star in like the 80s, mm -hmm. early 90s. He was a guest star for the Dallas Ballet Company. Wow. And they actually helped him find political asylum. Awesome. And he ultimately ended up moving to Australia and danced with the Australian ballet um, company there for a while. And then the other one is Red Azaleas. And it's a series of pros. The Red Azaleas or the White Azaleas? Now I'm going to... I, I said the red azaleas first, so I'm almost positive that that's what it is. And that's <laughs> okay. what I wrote down. It's about a girl who... Um, 
It's about a girl. Okay, yeah, it is the Red Azalea. It's a memoir of somebody who grew up in China during their cultural revolution. And she ended up kind of finding asylum for herself as well Mm. and left communist China. So it was really interesting to see a different country that has like a socialist, like social slash slash communist kind of like, um, set up. And she even, she like Claudia even says in the very beginning in her forward, she's like, she uses the term socialist and communist in a very general sense. Mm-hmm. She's like, she even says, like, it's very important to know that, like, they were not a republic. They were not a, like, democracy. Right. They weren't really, like, truly socialist or communist. Like, it's it's kind of a weird thing, but it's kind of the easiest, loosest terms to kind of, like, say and, like, balance yeah. everything on. But it was really interesting to kind of see a westernized version of communism. yeah. Compared to, like, China communism. Because China communism, it was very much like you just didn't have anything. Whereas, like, with the West going into the East, they still allowed Westerners to go into East Germany. Yeah, they did. And... But they were very strict about what you had to do, and they could search you before, they could search you when you left, yep. and they you did. had to change, you had to buy a certain amount of you had to change Eastern all of, money, yeah, like you had to buy, and Eastern then you had you had to switch it, you her, couldn't change it back, right? Which her family, on like both her father's and her mother's family, kind of called it the funny money, yeah. Because they knew it wasn't really good anywhere else. So it was just like, yeah, funny. Well, and not only, it's not even that it wasn't good anywhere else. There was nothing for them to buy with it. It it was hard. Like they would go to grocery stores and there would be like three cans on the shelf. And it was just basically like, quote unquote, first come, first serve. But she even talks about how she used to go to the market with her grandmother and she knew the butcher, and so the yeah. butcher would pick her out of a crowd, and he yeah. would just be like, no, she was here first. And it, it was, like, clear she wasn't there first, but he didn't care. She was there first. It was kind of your connection sometimes. Yeah, and um, her grandfather was very affluent in there. Yeah. Like, her her one grandfather was very affluent because he had a factory, and he yes. had a lot of stuff that he could barter with and do things. But, I mean, they talk about how they got searched. There was one time they actually got stopped at a train station. And they would, like, sneak stuff in their underwear and, like, in their stockings. Like, places they knew the soldiers wouldn't check so they could get away with certain things. Yeah. And, or they would be really careful about how they wrapped things in towels to make it look like it was just the towel and nothing else in it. It was just really interesting that they were still allowed to make that connection because China and the other countries, like, they they don't allow people in and they don't allow people out. And that's what makes those specific places, I guess, guess successful in their regime. Um, It's very scary for the people living it. It's very scary for the people who don't understand it. Yeah. But even, like, with... Claudia and her mother being able to go back and forth, like, there was always a fear 
It's there was always her into it, tense yeah. where that she wouldn't breathe, she couldn't do anything, she couldn't. And this went well into adulthood. Yeah. And I mean, her well, father, her father didn't travel with them for years because they he he chose to like he chose to leave. He, he chose, chose to, to go to the east, away, but or go to the west from the east. But he also had a oh. warrant out for his arrest, which is why he left. Yeah. The other thing that this made me think of was actually the movie Harriet. Oh, the new um, one that just came out? Yeah, about Harriet had a chance Tub- to see it, with yeah. Harriet Tubman. It was so good. I went with my friend Tori, and it also made me think of that because in the movie Harriet, she goes back and tries to rescue her family, and she tries to rescue her sister, And her sister, and I always thought about this, and I feel like this is always something that ends up coming up. Why didn't they leave? Why didn't the East Germans decide to go? Why didn't, like with Harriet, like why didn't the slaves choose to escape and go north? Mm -hmm. And there was a line in Harriet and I'm not, it's not a quote because I don't remember exactly how it was said, but her sister basically tells her like, you had the ability to leave. She's like, I don't. And she's like, my children are here. I can't go without my children. And I don't actually have the luxury of being able to leave. And she's like, and she like basically tells Harriet, like, don't look down on us who have to stay. For some of us, it's not a choice. Yeah. And that really resonated me with this because there were times where she would even say like, why didn't they leave? And it was just like, they, they couldn't, they couldn't leave. And you end up finding out a little bit later why right. some of them don't leave. And you actually end up finding out that one of her aunts, they had the opportunity to leave. Yeah. They would have been able to do it. They would have been successful and they chose not to do it because the way they would have had to do it, they would have never been allowed back into the country. Yeah. Her mother was able to leave in a way that she could come back. Her father did not. Right. And so, I mean, you're talking, like, he didn't see their family for, like, 30-plus years. Yeah, he didn't get to see his mom and his siblings. He, yeah. He never, he never met some of his siblings' spouses and his right. nieces and nephews until, like, she was, what, f- like 15 or 16 when they went over that time that he could go yeah but they had already like so I maybe it was like 20 plus years because she was like 15 and they had like they left before they had her so right no that's what I said like well, yeah, so if she would have been 50, I think it was oh. like 20, I think by yeah. the, when they went yeah. back after they'd already been in America. Yeah. It had been like 20 plus years. But Maybe. Yeah, so it, but yeah it's it had been, been a while. while. It was a couple of decades. But, I mean, it just kind of is one of those things where it's like, I I liked it because she gave that insight. Like, some people just didn't feel they had the choice to be able to go. Right. I think the other important thing to drive here is that these people had just been through a major war. Mm-hmm. Part, they the, were, Europe was still re- rebuilding, essentially, no matter what. They were still rebuilding. Right. They were very much rebuilding. They 
would tell her parents would tell Claudia stories about like them getting like a potato Mm -hmm. and having a party where they invited people over because they were able to gather like two or three potatoes and they made like a potato soup because like it just was such a luxury to have that stuff. So I feel like for a lot of them, they had been fed propaganda for so long from Hitler and the Nazi party. And then this new party comes in and they were just fed more propaganda and they probably just felt like so defeated that it was like, I mean, at this point, what does it even matter? Right. Like, do I have food? Do I have this? And that was the other thing that was really strange to her is that um, there there's a point, I think, ooh, maybe she was like 20 or 21, maybe 22. She actually goes over with her first husband. She and, was a little older. I think she was, um, or was she 20? She was, I thought she was like 25. Mid twenties, maybe. Yeah. She met him when she was like 21. Yeah. They had gotten married. They went over to Germany and he was looking at everything in his very American eyes. Right. And was like, I mean, we can afford it. We can do this. And it was like, no, let them pay for their tickets. Cause they have their funny money. Right. Like they can afford. And she even says that she was like, it didn't hit her until later that she was like, why she was so offended that her husband wanted to do this for them. And she was like, they have money. Like her families, her mother's family, especially was very well off in yeah. terms of Germany. Her father's family was a lot more poor, but they even had it better than most. Yeah. And they were, like, some of the lucky ones. Yeah. One of the things that she even says about herself, like, growing up in the time, she was, like, like, for her, she never really questioned why everything happened from going from West Germany to East Germany until she, like, left Germany because that's just what life was. She just considered herself lucky that she was born after the war. Right. And people would tell her that, oh, you're one of the lucky ones. Why am I lucky? Because you were born after the war. Well, and she knew she knew the stories about how her parents had kind of talked about how, like, there it was years. Like, she saw photos of them, like, just looking gaunt and starving because yeah. and not, not many people, I don't think many people realize, like, you know, you, yeah, the war ended in 45, but... Even in 1950, a lot of the the Polish and the Germans, they were living in camps still. They were starving mm-hmm. still. They didn't, they weren't, you know, it's not like things were like back to normal right, right. away. Like, they were living in essentially what would have been like a third world country. Because it was like, there, there just wasn't the means to to feed and take care of them. And so yeah. like by the time they had her, her parents were starting to look a little bit more, um, th- they had a little bit more meat on their bones. They were a yeah. little bit more, um, they were very frugal, but they had, they had food, they, they had were clothes, t- yeah. they had a place to live. They had, they, they weren't as gaunt as they had been. Like yeah. those first years after the war, it was really, difficult and it wasn't just difficult for 
one side of Germany. It was, but you know, everyone right. was having a hard time. Well, and she even talks about how, yeah. like, even in West Germany, she was like, yeah, like walking to gymnasium, which is like their school. Yeah. She's like walking to gymnasium or walking into town or whatever. Like, they would pass fields that were bombed and yeah. still had just like, relics of like buildings and stuff like that like well, and then there there were buildings that like the stores were on the bottom but the tops were um kind of yeah because the people still. the people who owned it they were like I gotta open my business I have to start making money again yeah. and they were like as long as my business is open and looks good I'll worry about my place to live later because yeah. that's where they were at and so it was just it was just really interesting to see everything kind of from that point of view and her just kind of being like, I like she, she didn't really question what they had to do or how they had to act. It just was what it was. Yeah. Like she really didn't start to question a lot of that until she came over to America and was able to like think a lot more liberally and like, and be more a lot, freely. Yeah. And she could say things that she couldn't say in Germany yeah. or, you know, whatever. And so it was like, it was, it was just cool to kind of see how that worked out right. in kind of like, I don't know, I guess, like, an anthropological way through her her memoir. One spot that really got me was, like, so years, years later, she's, like, in her 30s. She's divorced her first husband. She's married this other man who's 15 years older than her. And he has five children. And they decide to go to Germany to visit her family. And and obviously they're going to East, they're going to see family in East Germany and then they're going to travel over to uh, West Germany to, to see like, or to, you know, to see the, the other part of Germany. And one of her stepdaughters who, they, at that point they never said how old, but I was thinking she was at least 18 years old because... I think she was a little bit younger than that because the youngest I think was 12 or 13 and she was only a couple years older than the youngest. For some reason I thought it was like, I took it I took with, it as 15. I thought when they I, for some reason I thought the the 15-year-old was the the youngest. Like they were taking the youngest when he was 15 and the sister wanted to come. Maybe I misread, but whatever, but she's a teenager. Yeah. And she's really into kind of like this, the feminist type movement. I mean, it's, it's not like a crazy feminist movement type, but there's like articles out there saying that like the women in West Germany, or not West, I'm sorry, East Germany, like have it really great. They get a year off, they have a baby, they get a year off, they get universal health care. There's universal health care they get to work like the women are able to work if they want to work like they're they're saying Mm. all these like really amazing things and like these women groups in America were kind of like yeah see it can and this is great and well because they had um, a list of like things that they wanted and it was one of the countries where it marked off every single thing on the list they take her over and 
she, the stepdaughter, she, um, basically the first time going across the, um, east-west border is when she, like, the fear gets put in this child mm-hmm. about, like, okay, maybe this isn't so great. And then they get into town and she realizes, like, they're not, like, they're not eating well. Well, yeah. Well, and at the border, it's not just that the fear's put in her. She yeah. has a camera. Right. And Claudia knows what could go wrong with that because right. it could be considered propaganda. Could be, yeah. And she's like... Or spies. Or spies. And she yells at her in the car, no! Because she realizes right, yeah. she's... Yeah, she realizes she's about to take a, a picture and she immediately notices that her stepdaughter's like her face and just the whole demeanor and everything. And she realizes how much it was like her own fears were coming across her and building up to her. And so she finally like kind of recollected and was like, you just have to be really careful. Make sure. Right. No one notices you're taking a picture. And so she, they get far enough away from the initial gate and she does end up taking some pictures of the gate. Yeah, she does that, um, but they they end up going, they have to go and do their, like, trading in of the money, like, the next day after they get to um, town or whatever, and that's, like, kind of a hot mess because you just stand there for two hours hoping that they they call and, and say what whoever's available to take your, yeah. your, your request, and there's people wanting to to travel there's people just wanting to to exchange their money um and get the stamps that on their papers lady, i, I don't, don't know what i don't know what room four was for but nobody was getting called for room four right and she went and asked a guard about it and he was like don't make me make an example of you go back in line right it and was, that was her answer like right. the answer wasn't like oh this person's on break or whatever it was like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because that, that was the thing, like, total side note, all of the waiting for <laughs> everything. And East, all I imagine in East Germany is lines of people everywhere. <laughs> right. Because they just waited all of the time for everything. Because yeah. even, she even, like, once Claudia is older, she even goes into a story about how she took her aunt to a city and they waited over an hour to get into a restaurant. Yeah. And they were next. And the host was like, you're not next. You're trying to cut. And they just made them wait longer. Right. Like and 10 she minutes was longer. like, so stupid. yeah, like 10 minutes. She was just like, yeah, we were definitely next. But what are you going to do? Because they just had to wait. Right. So go, you can go back. Like they had to exchange their money. And But they're exchanging their money. The kids are like getting terrified. Like they're seeing all of this. Like how not great. Like they, they made themselves look great on paper. But they weren't great in real life. Mm-hmm. And, and the, this lady with like, that was help getting the, the family, their, their money or whatever, and looking at their passports or whatever, like looked at the kids and like told them to like, leave, leave or, like essentially get lost. And so like, <laughs> and the kids are like, Oh my God, we're never going to see um, mom and dad again. <laughs> and they come out and the kids are like, Oh, you're, you're back. We were so worried. Um, but, but they would look at like your, like what you did as a, 
a job in the state is like, oh, you do, you work for, you're an engineer or whatever. Like they were looking at what they were, mm-hmm. you know, and Claudia was kind of like, like she, she didn't say it to the lady, but like in, internally she was like, what are you going to do with that? You know, like, yeah, there was that they mentioned they were like oh you're a chemist yeah and she's like yeah Yeah. for 3m yeah what (laughs) company do you work for 3m but then she ended up finding out after everything because everything was fine they let him go right away and the kids and she even said like she didn't realize how much fear the kids had, not knowing yeah. what was going on. And she was she felt like she was just holding on to her, her own fear. Yeah. And then it actually made made her realize some choices her mother might have made because because of that. Yeah. Um, which builds into their relationship a lot more. But um going back to like the chemist thing, because when they finally did go back to like the families and everything, one of her uncles told her that the um, the police basically, the, what do they call it? Like the Stasi. The Stasi, yeah. Um, they had people come up to her, to him and ask him about his niece and the fact that she was a chemist. Yeah. And basically alluded to the fact, like, do you, basically, like, do you think she would spy for us? Yeah. We think she'd be a good spy for us. And he, like, the uncle just kind of, like, blew it off and was like, oh, like, whatever. And so they didn't approach her. But that was also the first time where she was like, these guys are being watched literally 24-7. All the time, yeah. And, but by the end of the trip, the daughter, who had been kind of, like, pro-East Germany and the women's Mm -hmm. rights that they had, she was like, I'm going home and I'm telling them that it's not what it really is. And I mean, but she also had pictures, like she had pictures of what East Germany looked like and she had pictures of what West Germany looked like Mm -hmm. and how like even just Berlin from Berlin or East Berlin to West Berlin, like the change is immediate. East Germany, everything's kind of gray and dull and people are, are, are looking a little bit starved and everything and then you go to west germany and there's a lot more color and a lot more life and there's a bit more happiness and people don't look like they're starving and Mm -hmm. and this child saw that and like that was like a that was a really big part i felt like that was a big piece well not a big piece but to me that was a big piece of the book for me like how it, it she was able to give this child this opportunity to see this part of the world yeah and and actually have a true understanding of it and then the of, child because came out of would, it yeah yeah because I think if Claudia would have just said you don't understand this is what it is da, yeah. da, da, it would have been easy for a teenager to just be like yeah you're over exaggerating right you don't know what you're um, talking about yeah so to actually experience it and live it and see the fear and see what the people were going through and and experience the fear yeah I mean a privilege let's just say it this child is you know a privileged American Mm -hmm. who's never had to deal with anything 
like that. Mm-hmm. And then she's from. I mean, she's from the Twin Cities. She's so from it's not, Minnesota. So it's not like she's from a very rural area, but she's mm-hmm. not from like New York or like one of the bigger cities. She grew up in the Twin Cities, yeah. um, which is pretty cultured. Like she yeah. had a lot of culture. She had a lot of stuff, you know, um, in her background at that point. But yeah, like for her to see it and do, I mean, that's, I feel like that's always such a key part of everything is like learning what it actually is, like actually experiencing it. Mm -hmm. I had that when I went to Egypt, I had a lot of people come up to me so scared because, I mean, everything that had happened in um, the Middle East and the war, like, after 9-11 was still very fresh. Right. It was still kind of going on when we went. And I had people who were like, aren't you so scared? Like, they're going to get you. Like, the Taliban's going to get you. And I was like, I- I'm really not that scared. I feel like I'll be okay. I don't think our company would put 26, 30 people in danger <laughs> if uh, you know just to do this if if it wasn't safe right and it was seriously one of those things where it was one of the best experiences and I met so many people who were so nice right and just had so much to give mm-hmm. of themselves that they might not have had a lot of money. They might not have had whatever, but they were willing to give you whatever they could. And it just, East Germany and her family just kind of reminded me of that. And she even got mad at like her husband because he was, he was like, here, we're going to give them each $20. And she was like, that's just not how you do it. Like there's an unspoken etiquette to it. You got out. This is what you have to do for us. Right. You know, you were the ones who got away. We're still here. So this is what you have to do for us. Right. It ultimately ends up causing a really big rift between her aunt and her mom. At one and point, they, yeah. Well, at multiple points. There well, was a point with the calculator. The, yeah. And then, then once, so once Berlin was actually, or Berlin, once Germany was actually reunified, Right. There was a lot of stuff that they had to do, and it ended up starting a lot of resentment and a lot of hostility still between East and West Germany because with the East families, Germany, yeah. Well, with the families, but like just within the country too. They talk well, about yeah, yeah. the country, like West Germany had put in like billions of dollars or whatever their currency was into renovating and and building up East Germany and there's a point where it's a year or two after the wall falls down and she's walking through like one of the cities and she's walking through Berlin and she mentions you can't even see where the wall was at but you cross where it was at and you immediately see a difference because it's so old Europe versus like modern and new right and houses are being whitewashed but they're not like getting true facelifts or anything like that and it really started a whole rift of like you were the ones like east germans were like you guys were the ones who 
who got away you you started to betray us kind of in a sense yeah. you don't know what we lived through and then west germans were going back and being like well why didn't you escape if it was so horrible why didn't you leave right. and so even within the country there was a lot of turmoil once the wall came down because they had to build everything and they had to right. basically start from scratch as a country. Yeah. And then there and, was like the jealousy, like you're talking about, like the, the East Germans seem to have like all of a sudden. Well, I think after the euphoricness of the. We're the liberated. Law, yeah. Being liberated and things started to like come up, you know, like th- there's still going to be some hardships. Of course, we're not. It's things weren't going to be immediately like or East Germany wasn't going to be immediately like West Germany. It was going to take some time. And when they started to realize that, and then they started to realize how, how good the West really had it, that they started to kind of get really trying to jealous and say, yeah. say things and do things. Like she, she was driving somewhere and she missed her turn. And so she pulled off. the. Oh, road. I was just going to say the hot dog stand. And she went to get a, yes. a, a bratwurst or whatever and yeah she asks and she didn't hear him because this truck drove by yeah when he said it and she asked him to say it again and he's like what 50 francs isn't enough for you or it was or 50 basically it was like 50 cents whatever that is and yeah and She's like, and she's digging in her purse, finding her coins, and she hands him the coins finally. And she's like, no, I just didn't hear you. But and he, she, he mentioned, like, he, she talks yeah. about how he looked at the license yeah. plate of her, of her rental. Yeah. And just was like, oh, she's from Frankfurt. She's from the West. She has all this money. Yes. And he gives her the worst, bro. Worst. The worst, the worst. The worst, worst. <laughs> like, the one that's been cooking all day long and should have been tossed out, like, six hours yes. ago. Like, half of it is all wrinkled and gross, and the other yeah, half is okay like, because it was bottomed down. Yeah, she bit into it, and it was, like, completely dried out. Right. Like, yeah. It was... I mean... But yeah, they but, were, it, but things like that were happening because there was yeah. just, just... And some of it... Some of the West people might have been thinking that they were better than the East people. And I'm sure that happens. I mean, we see that oh, yeah. here, you know, oh, here there was, to have been some, but I think there was a lot of misinterpretation of things yeah. like in her situation, but it, it really was a, it was a hard time, a hard transition yeah. with feelings, you know, people's feelings and everything. And then people were getting hurt and upset that, you know, that they lost their property and then, the people, because yeah. what happened was people that used to have property and then if they left or whatever, they could come back and get their land back. Mm-hmm. And then that meant people were like getting kicked out of their homes or the land that they thought was theirs. Yeah. Or however. Because the state, yeah. So basically the state would come in and they would take over the land and they'd yeah. be like, oh, this is ours now. Yeah. But you and, think that these other people could live on it or yeah. whatever. And sometimes, so that happened to one of her aunts and uncles. And they said, well, the farm is ours. You can keep the house. You can keep this this area yeah. and man everything for us. But the land is ours. Yeah. 
And then, and that happened all over the country. Yeah. And once they got reunified, they were saying that, like, anything after a certain date that was acquired by the state will be given back to the rightful family. And you saw multiple things of it where it was good and bad. Yeah. Because she had a cousin who worked hard for an agricultural agriculture degree right was working on a farm and do like was trying to do some breakthroughs in agriculture and she was talking about how this family could come back and take the farm back and then sue them if they didn't feel like the farm was taken care of up to their terms right if it wasn't taken care of yeah and so she was like, I might be out of a job and get sued. Yeah. And so there was that aspect of it. And then you have another person in her family where they were trying to acquire their um, their father's factory because it had been, like, sold to the state. Mm-hmm. And then they were just like, well, these documents are legal. It was sold legally, so you don't get it back. Sorry. But you can have your land back. Right. And so there was just a lot of, like, it was very still black and white, but there was a ton of gray areas, and people just didn't know where they were going to sit. One of her uncles was a veterinarian, and the new um, leaders had put together an at least 15, or sorry, I think it was at least a 10-year program to help with the animals and everything on all the farms and he was supposed to be one of the ones that actually got to head it and be a part of it and he was ecstatic because he was like job security boom I'm guaranteed this many years exactly and so it was it was interesting to see that of how something that's supposed to be so positive was so scary Mm -hmm. for so many people for various reasons right yeah, I I mean, but are it that caused like the whole there was a a will with the, with land, and um her aunt decided that her mother had way too much and she got everything. She escaped the West. She had yeah. the beautiful house by the lake in America. She had all this stuff. She escaped. She has her life good. Yeah. And she basically decided, like, you you don't don't get get any of this. Like, I don't care that we all agreed what was going to happen. It's not in paper, so I'm not giving it to you. I don't have to, yeah. And they, except for, this is only going off of the book. They could have actually talked more. But going off of the book, her mother and her, her sister don't speak ever again after that like one letter there was they sent a letter and then there was another letter sent yeah so the one thing the one thing that I appreciated about this book I was comparing it to Mal's last answer and the red azalea when I was reading those I'm like okay this is a memoir so I'm going to assume they get out but at the same time you don't really know at what cost and you don't know what really happened to them. Right. Whereas like with this, I felt for some reason reading it, I just felt way more hopeful about it. Right. And I really kind of thought it was gonna end at the wall came down and we all realized where 
in our right. homes, like, you know, whatever. I didn't really know how it was going to end, but I, I knew from history that it was going to end well. Right. Or decently, like, at least. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Quote, unquote, well, be like ignorance of the situation. Like I thought like, oh, the wall came down. Everything's good. Cool. Yeah. And then she actually goes into it. I was really pleased to see that she went in further than that. And you got to see and read more about what her family's experience. Because her dad's family was not as well off as the other family. And they did not. It didn't seem. Well, except for her one cousin who had his life basically taken away from him. Right. um, Her cousin Peter. But for the most part, like, some land was taken from them and some other stuff. But they they fared out pretty well in out, hindsight. I, I feel like they, well, when they were kind of, you know, like we said, they were not as well off. They didn't have as much money. Mm-hmm. But they kind of, I felt like they maybe had a, a better mindset during that whole kind of occupied time for them, you know, that whole time that it was East Germany, that they relied maybe more on each other and whatnot. They, they didn't, none of this, it it never came across as any of the siblings being jealous of the brother for going to America. Yeah. Whereas I think they also understood it though because he couldn't stay because he had a warrant for his arrest. They wanted him to live. Yeah. So they did understand that, and so I think it was easier for them to be understanding of it. They also just fixed up what they had because it was one of the brother. It was one of her father's brothers, one of her uncles, that had um the pool. He built the pool in the back. He and where she was like it was long enough that you could do four or five strokes. And he was like, yep, I'm building a pool. I'm going to have a pool in my backyard. Yeah, I felt like they took, like, really horrible situation and they they dealt with it maybe a little bit better, maybe because of how they had to be resourceful because they weren't as well off. Like, her mother's family, they had really for the longest time kind of – relied on her father's connections well and he also was a merchant and a jeweler yeah so he had like for I mean for a very long time he was like upstanding in the community he was well known right he had all of that stuff so yeah they they weren't from like a little farming community they had family who lived on like farms and lived Mm -hmm. in the country but it like, because it was a small town, but it wasn't, like, her father's side where it was, like, okay. <laughs> when, oh, my gosh, Peter's story, her cousin Peter, yeah. um, she had only met him one or two times, like, through the years. But you end up finding out his story and how he was, um, he was actually taken in. And made to work and do certain things. And then they were like, how about you spy on these people? And he was like, I'm not going to spy on my friends. It doesn't seem like a good idea. And then they were like, well, you're not going to pass your anatomy class to go to med school. And he was like, but I was picked for med school. They're like, yeah, we don't care. And so he failed his first anatomy test. And then they were like, how about you spy on people now? And he was like, nope. And then they were like, all right, well, we're just going to take you in. 
Well, and, and, he, the, well, and then they, like, well, he failed it twice, I thought. Yeah, he failed it he, twice. He failed and it, then, and then they, he, they, they tried to get him to, um. Quite a few times they tried to get him to be yeah. a spy. And he just, he never would. And, like, she, it was funny because he's sitting there talking about it. And then she was about to, like, she was kind of contemplating, like, at what point do you, like, just say. Just give in and think about yourself. Just give in and do it. And he then, like, before she could even ask it, he was like, I could never do it because it wasn't worth it. Like, essentially, like, that that's right. not what he said, but to him it wasn't worth it like not just to the people that he was supposedly to spy on but like for him consciously like it wasn't it wasn't in him he's like I had to be a bit a better person right for him it was all about humanity like you don't have to give in to the horrors of what's around you Mm -hmm. and what kind of person are you if you're so easily able to give into it right yeah it was it was really good and then but it ended up being it ended up being more about her understanding I think like by the time I finished it I felt like it was more about her acceptance right of her home and what she considers that to be Obviously, you get a great mother-daughter story out of it, right? Um, a connection to it. But she also gets some insight and understanding of her father, who she did not have a lot of. I not, she had respect for him. What's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, she had almost a lot of contempt against him because she blamed he, him for moving yeah, her away bl- from Germany. Yeah, and making her mom stay there when the, all she wanted was whatever, you know, to go, to go back. Yeah. Um, you know, she wanted, when he retired, they, she wanted to the, have them buy an apartment. So they had a central place to stay whenever they went back to Europe. And he was like, why waste the money? I'd rather just travel. Right. And for her, it was like, no, this is an investment. And for him, he was just like, no, I just want to travel with you. I just want to yeah. go somewhere. I want to be free. I want to do what I can. The amount of book that was left after the the wall came down was, was kind of yeah. shocking to me because it it really goes beyond and um. Like, you, you know, would think the story would end at the wall, but yeah. it didn't. There was a lot at the past that because when the wall came down, things just didn't magically get fixed. Right. It didn't end there. And, I mean, her mother gets sick. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, like, she was still going through. I was really pleased with that, like how it ended like that yeah with so much how are you feeling is there anything else you want to mention uh no I guess do we want to go to characters yeah because I think I mentioned everything that I really wanted yeah I think I did too or we touched on it yeah I'm going through my notes I see a couple notes that I'm just like eh we don't even have to mention it now yeah yeah, so who who are your favorite people in this? Um, you know, I know she had a lot of contempt for him. 
But I really liked her father. Mm, mm-hmm. he, he worked really hard for them. Like, even, like, before moving to America, like, that, that was kind of the goal. Like, he, he was to work and get make them a, a better life than what he and his wife had had during the war and after the war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that was all kind of always a thing between him and his wife. Like, that was, like, that had been understood at some point between the two of them. Um, but he But he had kind of this, like attitude this like kind of positive attitude and he got beat up on a lot yeah in the first few years of um living in america by not just his wife but by claudia and like they it almost broke them it it did like i i didn't like them for for that um yeah I know that they were going through stuff. I I understand that, but it just I didn't feel like it was um I don't know. It like I was just like that's not I don't know. It it it's hard for me to say exactly the word that I want right now, but like they were just they just beat him up about it all the time like mm-hmm. moving back and why'd you bring us here and we hate it here and he he took it and he took it and he took it and he always found a way to try to make it better, to make it, yeah. um, uh, like, you know, he, he was always kind of like he had a sunny disposition for whatever reason. Yeah. And I liked that because he was trying to make it as a, a good situation out of a bad situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, she had asked her father, because she never really understood why. He had moved her and her mother. And he goes, she asked, or she wrote, years ago when I was trying to understand my father's reasons for moving us, I asked him what home meant to him. He hesitated for a moment. Then he swept his eyes around the room from my mother to my sister to me. He said, home is being with my family, with the people I love. I thought he was trying to justify himself and refused to consider his answer. I opened my eyes and see Sophie's blonde hair. Sophie's her daughter. Bent over her tray table. Ron watches her fingers slide over the cards and looks up to meet my eyes. And I see, I am sure no one on earth is as lucky. I am at home here on this airplane right now. And that will have to do. And I get it. Like, home is home is with the people you love and it's not always it's not where you're living but sometimes the people and that that's it's something I learned right away when I got married and then mm-hmm. I moved away right away it wasn't where I was living that made home it was being with the people that I loved and Eric was the person that I loved and that made home and so I felt like he had a lot of understanding for something that um, it took her a long time to figure out. Yeah. So I really liked him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, so short. he was really great. I think even early on in the book, I really liked her mother. I liked a lot of the extended family. 
Yeah, I like um, too. Like it, Opa We just didn't get a lot of them, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so. right. And, like, Aunt Annie. Yeah. I really liked her. And she even made a point to be, like, you know, with Aunt Annie. Like, she made a point to do stuff. But um, her mom, I really liked her because I feel like it shows the dedication that you have to somebody and the commitment that you make where she did make her father's life a little bit horrible. And like, why'd you bring us here? And like all of that stuff, but she always went with his decision. Yeah, she did. And there was one part where like, I had already brought it up a little bit too, or I said it almost broke them. Like there was one point where, they got into a huge fight. They, like, yeah. locked themselves in their bedroom for an entire Sunday. Yeah, for a whole day. And they f- were, like, yelling. And she, t- like, Claudia took her sister out and, like, played with her and, like, kept her busy and did all this stuff. And, you know, they really, they didn't really have any lunch to eat. They didn't have mm-hmm. anything to do. Like, Claudia kind of had to take care of all that for them because these two just kept fighting. But, um... I feel like her mother had so much growth and it's funny because I think you have an impression of people and you don't really know who they are. And I think it's very easy to make that impression about your parents and who they are. And there's some resentment that Claudia has at some point for her mother because she, I mean, for a long time even, because she's like, you could move back to Germany now. Why don't you do it? And she was like, I would never be able to survive without your father. And I think she always blamed it on that. But the truth was, was I don't think she wanted to try to do anything without her husband. I think she really loved him. She followed him to West Germany right. in a time where it possibly meant she would not be able to see her family again. Right. And then she followed, him, she followed him to America where she didn't know the next time she was going to be able to see her family again. Right. And by the end of the book and like by the end of the memoir, her her mother has a hard time with English, and it's it's discussed several times. Right. And by the end of it, when you find out more about her mother, part of me wonders, like, how much of that was Claudia thinking, like, oh, she's always struggled with this. She's still struggling with it. And how right. much was she actually struggling with it? And maybe just had an accent or something. Because there was... I mean, Claudia hadn't lived at home for quite a while. A while and she yeah. was like, she was already married to her second husband. And it, she was really went to bat for the apartment for her mother in, in a central location so they could travel and have a, a place, you know. And her mom was like, no, it's fine. And her dad just kind of brushed it off and was like, no, your mother knows best. She knows that I know the best. And Claudia gets really mad and she gets mad at her mom and she gets mad at her father. But the other part of me is like, I don't think she realizes like the commitment her mother made and how, and like all the sacrifices led to that point where there's just a point where you, 
it's a discussion and it's a partnership. And Claudia was seeing it very like one sided, whereas her mother was like, no, I'm fine. I'm content with this. Right. And she still saw her mother who needed help in a department store once they got to America to buy something. And her mother was a part of like a quilting society. She was like cooking. She was doing all of these different groups she had yeah Yeah. she had gardening she was she went to shopping trips to Atlanta with some some women from church she had her church groups like she did so much stuff she did and she like there was there was even one point where she was like oh well your father and I like we went to the symphony and like we did all this different stuff like I do I think I do think some of that though happened because of that big one day fight because she even talks about after how after that fight they were both happier and then she, the mom went to Clemson and signed up for um a gardening class or a horticulture class right. or whatever it was called like like I think something was like I, I think something was said like you you have to get out of the house you have to get away right and I totally I totally understand that because like I see that within the military community that I live, that we have these spouses that they, they've lived in this one place their whole life, and then they get moved to like this, this place that they hate. And then they never leave their house, but they sit there and complain, and they hate the area because they're not willing to go out and try and do anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think once you – and I've seen it, and I try to experience it myself as for as who I am, that I have to I have to go out and I have to bloom. I have to go try things so I can bloom and I can enjoy people and or not the people, but enjoy the area and to meet people. And then I think that's what she did finally. Like she right. finally she finally had to be like, I can't I can't do this anymore. I'm not happy. Right. Sitting at home and complaining. Which is why I like her so much because it's hard to make yourself grow sometimes. And it's hard to push yourself outside of your limit. And she did not have the luxury that her daughter did to help her learn English. Like, she had to learn it. She She didn't have to go to school, yeah. You know, her mom didn't have to go to school. And there, I think just as much internal struggle that Claudia had, her mom probably had it even more because she had to think about what was best for her family. She had two daughters that she had to think about. She had to think about herself. She had to think about her husband because she wasn't a selfish person. Like, I think she said things in a selfish way, like when they would like kind of dig into her father. But I do feel like of all of the all of the characters, all of the people, she had the most growth. Yeah, and there were there were some things that she could never let go of, like when her and her sister were fighting and stuff like that. Like there was some stuff where she was like, you know, when she got sick, she was like, do not tell Izzled. Like she did not want her siblings yeah, to she know. Didn't know. Yeah. And Claudia was like, well, I have to tell these two people because they already think I'm coming in June, you know. Right. And she was like, fine, but don't tell anybody else. And so I think she was just like a proud German woman who Mm -hmm. had been through a lot. And in the end, she just ended up, I think she just kind of like surrendered to have the best life ever 
that she could possibly try to have in this in a smaller town with her husband and I mean it was it was her who told Claudia like you know ask your father why we didn't leave we had an opportunity to leave and we didn't take it right and you know there that was a decision that I mean ultimately it was it always sounded like it was his way or no way we're, we're moving to America. We're not moving back. You can't do this. You need to do this. And it was always that way. But I feel like that's that's a very that's very much a um, impression that you have of your parent. Right. Like one's gonna be militant. One's gonna be like the the savior. Where it's like they agree with me. They get me. They're gonna do what I do for various reasons. Right. So it was. Part of me wonders how much of the decisions of the moves she was actually a part of and maybe didn't agree with fully and thought that maybe it was only going to be for a couple years. But I wonder how much she actually had, like, could have actually spoken up and said something. Right. But she, like, she ended up being my, she ended up being my favorite character. And, like, I feel like when they talk about like all the people in the town and everything they did, I mean, even when she was sick and going through chemo could barely move, she was writing thank you notes for anything that was given to the family. Right. Like she was sure that she had to send those thank you. I mean, like that was the person that she was, was she, she was very much like a shower. Like you show up for people. It has nothing to do with the price. It has nothing to do with anything else. You show up for the people that you care about. Right. Would you recommend this book? I would. I would too. Yeah, it's a good little book. Yeah, I I definitely would recommend it. I definitely definitely for the fact that like you kind of get to see a side that you may not always see of um or not not always see but like I I don't think we ever really like you always kind of hear about like Berlin, East Berlin. And West Berlin and the wall and stuff, but I, you know, I never you really missed felt the middle part. Yeah, they don't you... really teach the middle part in school. Yeah, they don't, and so I feel like that kind of, you know, it, it covered it covered like a whole bunch of stuff. Like I never really thought about like the aftermath and about how like land was given back to people and mm-hmm. how you know feelings were were hurt. Like that never like, occurred to me, but, I mean, I was nine years old when this happened, Yeah. so, or, or when the wall came down, it, the, I was nine years old, so it wasn't, I, I didn't have a full grasp of what was going on either, yeah. or, and, and what the ramifications would have, be afterwards either, so I felt like that was, it was really interesting to see and hear about how people were feeling and things were dealing with afterwards. So I think it was just like kind of like a whole kind of like, <laughs> sorry, Kira's Keir, talking. Just sit, <laughs> sit, girl, sit, good girl. Um, but I feel like it was just like a full, a good full, full circle of what happened for probably maybe a lot of people that had escaped and then to escaped to West Germany and then mm-hmm. maybe immigrated to 
America or some other wherever. country. Wherever, well, yeah, because yeah. in history, like in our history classes or my history classes, at least like world history, you learn about the war. Right. You learn about the wall. And then you just learn about the next big thing. You don't you don't hear about the twenty years leading up to like Right. You don't. Reagan's speeches and Mm-mm. I think JFK even spoke in yeah. Berlin at one point about it. And so there I mean, there's a solid fifteen, twenty years before JFK or I think 15 years by the time JFK gets over there and he has his speech in Berlin and then Reagan, it's another almost 20 years before he starts making his stuff. So, I mean, there's 40 years that you don't really hear about with this that is covered very well. Um, I mean, she, I feel like she covers herself very well with disclaimers where she's like, this is my memories Right. This is how I saw it. I talked to certain people. They verified these things, but this is my, these are my memories of what happened. And that's, that's Um, what it was. It was her memories. Right. Which is great. I, yeah, I would definitely recommend this. Um, Like I said, it's going to, it's going to go up there in, in the list of like this, this genre is like one of the top ones that I've ever read. Yeah. I I really, really enjoyed it. And it was different. It was a part of the world that we've heard a lot about in a different time yes. period that you don't hear a lot about. So I, I really liked it th- for that. Well, that's good. Yeah. So what have you pulled from your bookshelf, Josie? So I did... A lot of driving in December, so <laughs> most of everything I pulled was all audiobooks, mm-hmm. which actually were really great. I really ended up enjoying all of them. Um, I listened to The Guardians by John Grisham. It's his newest one, and it was mm-hmm. really good. Um, it's based on true stories. Some stuff were changed. Some things were changed for his his book, right. but... Um, all the cases were real, um, which I highly recommend that if you guys have any interest in any type of law and if you're interested at all in um, in people who are, like, wrongfully accused right. and on death row, it's, it's a really, really good book. Um, and then some really fun ones that I did right before Christmas. Um, Holiday Greetings from Sugar and Booze. That was really fun. Oh. It had, like, Maya Rudolph and now I can't remember her name. She was on SNL for years with Maya. Um, but it was, like, a fun little um, holiday greetings from – they were two friends who met in college and mm. then – um, a lot of the story is told through Christmas letters oh. that you like, quote unquote, send out to your friends. And then some of it is like a Christmas party where they actually like do stuff. Um, I listened to the Christmas Pact. Um, both of those were like um, on the list of like free audibles last mm-hmm. month. Um, I listened to Eleanor and Park which I've seen this book and it's been recommended to me before. And it actually takes place with two teens in Omaha, Nebraska in the eighties. It was really good. Um, 
I listened to The Darkest Night, which was really good. It's a true crime story about um, something that happened in central Wyoming in the 70s. It kind of, like, shook the town and shook the state. It was so good. Shook me. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I also listened to – it was an Audible original. I listened to this uh, one called Midnight Sun, Mm. And it is about somebody um, up in Alaska who was in one of the native tribes up there. And he goes back and does kind of like an audible and documentary about one of the people that he knew who actually starred in some like he starred in an indie film that got a lot of credit um, cred in. I think the early 2000s. Mm. And then um, he acted in some other random things. And then he actually, um, they go into why exactly it happened, but he killed his mother and then like went into the wilderness. And it was like kind of about that and kind of about his trial, but it was really good. Um, Yeah. And then I started Just Mercy. That's good. Well, you... uh, you did a lot more than I did. Um, <laughs> I drove a lot. <laughs> I, I just it was like, I guess I just decided to like veg and take a break. Um, and I hung out with Dash a lot, but uh, we, I, rereading um, Once Upon a River for my book club, and that's by Diane Setterfield. Um, I really liked it, so I don't mind reading it again. I'm really enjoying it again. Um, I, I feel like I probably listened to another book or two, and I don't remember what they were. But um, I did buy some new books at Barnes & Noble the other day. Mm-hmm. And this one was um, in their bargain book section, and it's called... I hope I'm saying it correctly. It's by Gregory McGuire. Not M- Mick. Gregory McGuire. He wrote Wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I actually like almost all his books. I haven't read one that I really have, haven't liked. But this one is called Hidden Sea. And it's about, it's like his version of The Nutcracker. Oh. I thought that would be fun to read. And then, um. The other one I got, it it's one of, I think, Chris Colfer's newest books. He's the the, the kid from Glee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I he wrote The Land of Time, or not Land of Time, The Land of Stories books that I talked about, like, last year. Mm-hmm. I, and this one is called A Tale of Magic, and um, I got that one, so... Uh, I'm I'm excited to get started on those. I just have to have to do it. And of course, I read this book. <laughs> so yay! Oh yeah, I I have this one. I did not include that. <laughs> it took her a little while. Oops. Yeah. It took us both a little while, mm-hmm. only because we were we we're just like we're gonna relax a little. So. Yeah, I didn't really relax, but I was definitely busy. <laughs> right. 
All right. Um, yeah, I know. I have a big reading list. I even asked for more from uh, friends on Facebook, so I'm excited. All right, Sheila, what are we reading next for month? February? We will be reading Breaking Cover by Michelle Rigby Assad. Um, Michelle Rigby Assad is a former CIA agent who actually did a lot of, um, or not a lot, but she, her, how do I want to say it? Her, um, her focus, because they have specific areas they focus in, was the Mideast, and that's where she was. And so she knows, which is really kind of interesting, especially right now in our climate of times right now, She's um, knew a lot about kind of like the Iran and, um, you know, that area, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan. Like, she knows a lot about that area. So it'll be kind of an interesting read to read um, about her experiences as a CIA agent and yeah, a woman. It'll be yeah. really interesting as a woman kind of doing these, these things yes. since they kind of have a different take on women yeah I'm excited it'll be good I'm excited awesome yeah I'm excited about this okay as always you can see it find us on Facebook and Instagram you can email us at potheadswhoread at gmail.com if you want to suggest books anything you want us to read if you have any thoughts about any of the books that you've listened to of ours and you want to give us your take on them we love to read all of that stuff. And I think that's everything. Any Anything it. else? I, I think that's that. it. All right. It. So. <laughs> Go crack a book open. And thank you for reading with us. Bye. Bye.